Hey, Dad. Hey, Joel. Hey, so when I was in counseling school, uh, the first day we were there in the master's degree in counseling, they got everybody in a circle in our class, introduction to counseling class, and they said, why do you want to get into counseling? And like invariably, nine out of 10 people said, I want to get, I got into counseling because counseling was so helpful for me in getting over my traumatic, whatever, history, past, uh-huh. you know. I thought that was cool because, yeah, I mean, it's the, the ideal is you get your own healing so that you can help others heal. Yeah. But here's a thing I've noticed. Uh, first of all, I've noticed that one, there's this, pe- there's a lot of people that just love to feel like they're the savior of the world. And so they get into the counseling because yeah. they're like, I'm going to save people. But they haven't done their own work dealing with their hurt like they think they have. But really, what ends up happening oftentimes is I've seen people who haven't actually gotten real deep, true healing end up passing on anger, resentment, making people feel like a victim. Yeah. And I almost wonder if the people would have just been better off left alone rather than going to counseling from somebody who is a wounded healer. And, you know, Henry Nouwen talks about being a wounded healer. Jesus took wounds and he became our healer. There's power in that. When you've been wounded, being able to help people walk through their wounds. But if you haven't gotten healing, um, you end up, what do they say? You end up bleeding on people that didn't hurt you and you may end up end up creating angry, victimized people that you really end up doing more harm than good. So I want to talk about that. Uh, what is the biblical, like we are called to serve others and help them. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and and in some ways, it, you know, we're called to, to help other people walk through their challenges. Obviously, the Holy Spirit is the wonderful counselor. Like he's the one that really guides us. Yeah. But there's this power in, in working with people. And But the danger is, if you haven't gotten your own healing, you end up passing on your hurt to people and you may actually end up stirring up resentment and anger in them that they didn't even have before yeah. because you're like, well, don't you realize you're a victim here? And um, and we've seen that a lot with sexual abuse things where it comes out later that nothing actually happened, but the, the counselor planted into someone's mind that right. they were sexually abused and they never were. I mean, there's evidence they never were. And it gets really tricky. So wh- where what's your take on what the Bible has to say about how do we know when we're ready to be helping others and yeah. how we know when we've gotten past our own hurt. Mm. Well, I, I think one thing there's, it's one thing to walk with somebody through the hurt and just sort of be a, a peer. I'm here to walk with you. I'm here to love you. I'm here to be, we're both messed up. We both have these problems, but let's just help each other through it. That's one thing. It's another thing when you're kind of coming at it from an above, I'm here to help you mm-hmm. and to lift you out of. And Which unfortunately, and, a lot of people get into this business of counseling because yeah. they're like, I'm going to save the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and there is some truth that you can't help a guy out of a ditch if you're in the ditch with him, although you can if you get underneath him and push him up. You know? yeah, I don't know. So, right. so uh, but but there is a, the scripture talks about um, in James, it says, and this is kind of a frightening, uh, well, there's a couple of passages in Proverbs, it says this, where words are many, sin is not absent, which is kind of a frightening thing for what we're doing here. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, true. But then the other one in James where it says this, it says, let not many of you be teachers for a teacher will be judged by a higher standard. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. of that here. One of the reasons a teacher is judged by a higher standard is Jesus in Luke says this, that when a student is fully trained, he'll be just like his teacher. Mm. And so obviously in a counseling situation, you're not going to come to being fully trained, but to the degree that you are trained by that counselor or whatever, you're going to be like that counselor. Well, you project onto others what what's driving you. And if, yeah. they, if they're in a vulnerable spot saying, well, exactly. here's somebody 
that know, I mean, that's the danger of being a pastor too. Oh, exactly. Is, I mean, we see that with pastors. It's like pastors that are, they haven't gotten their own issues resolved. They end up passing that culture onto their church, yeah. that culture of you know, lack of grace or whatever it is. Yeah. And that's a, that's a dangerous thing. So that verse where Jesus says, when a student is fully trained, he'll be just like his master. And obviously counselors think, well, I'm not a, a train training them. But in some ways, that position of authority. Oh, you can't help it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you become like those you hang around with. You know, walk with the wise, you grow wise, companion of fool suffers harm. So right. you can't help it. If they're looking to you as a position of authority, they're going to become like you. They're going to become molded in some degree. Which is probably why we had to take so many ethics courses in that counseling masters, because they said the, the number one problem yeah. they have is people, when they get into these counseling relationships, they get into these, end up romantic relationships oh, or yeah. abusive relationships. It's just really wacky Yeah, what can happen. Um, because when you're opening yourself up, you're going beyond, with most people, we're just at the, you know, we're just at this very, very surface level. How are you doing? Oh, good. Right. I'm not, I'm torn up inside. And the whole idea of counseling is to open up your soul, open up your heart. And my goodness, that's very dangerous. That, that brings up a good point because one of the things I learned early on in counseling is um, I'm pretty good quickly at getting to the root of an issue. But what happens oftentimes is you'll get people in that first session and they have this, we call it a cathartic release. Like all of a sudden, all this stuff that's been pent up and then they get to yeah. share it with somebody and they share all this stuff and then they walk away going, oh my gosh, I shared way too much with yeah. that counselor. And then they never come back. Yeah. So you have to let people kind of like let it out in small amounts. And it's really dangerous because they share all this stuff and then they feel so vulnerable that someone heard all these deep, dark thoughts or secrets yeah. of theirs. And you have to kind of pace them. And that's a challenge too, because it, it can be really reassuring to you as a counselor, like, look at that. I got to the root of that issue in one session. Yeah. They poured out their guts, but literally what you do is like slice open a scar and they yeah. start bleeding out. And it it really, it feels good as a counselor. I mean, that's an ego trip to know, hey, look at that. I got yeah. to the root of that issue right away. But man, that, that and that's where it's a very slippery slope. Whereas someone, you yourself, if you've got wounds and you're like, oh, I see all the signs of sexual abuse in them or whatever, and you start pushing towards yeah. that, you can actually end up, I mean, they've proven it. You can actually implant memories into people's brain that never actually happened. And it's a very dangerous, I mean, that verse says not many of you should be, you should want to be teachers because you're going to be held to a higher standard. I, I think that applies there. If you're teaching someone how to get through their pain, you better be really careful how you do it because you're going to be held to a higher standard. And if you haven't gotten your own healing, I mean, we've seen, I, yeah. The, the tricky part though is some of the best marriage counselors I know are divorced. Yeah. So you're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, what do you do with that? Like, are they disqualified from counseling because they've had a divorce or what? What's... Well, you know, it's one thing to be a coach. Um, I mean, I think of this, I think of like Tiger Woods or you figure the best tennis player or something. They have coaches who are telling them how to do it, who they, who they could whoop. Oh they yeah. They could beat them, yeah, you know, totally obviously. Beat. But a coach can kind of stand back. Why then does Tiger Wood or whoever you want to pick have a coach? Because that coach can see from a distance, a perspective that you can't see when you're in the middle of it. They can see those blind spots that you just can't see because of where you're seated. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so in, in some ways, someone who's been through it. I mean, I don't think I had a guy tell me one time, yeah, I want to go into marriage counseling because I know how to have a good marriage. I've been divorced five times. <laughs> you know how to have a bad marriage. <laughs> well, yeah. So he thought he knew how all the mistakes you could make. And I go, well, there's a bunch more you probably haven't made yet, you know. But anyhow, the point is, 
Uh, yeah, that was his training. That was his whole training was he'd have been through five divorces. Yeah. So um, what do they say? There's a thousand way, wrong ways to do stuff. Oh, there's only a few right ways to do stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he discovered just a few of the wrong ways. So, but the point is, if you can stand off and see what somebody's doing, the fact that you've been divorced doesn't necessarily totally disqualify you because you, that coach who can stand off and see, oh my goodness, I, I see what you're doing here. When you're in the middle of it, you oftentimes don't see it. When you're in the middle of it, your emotions are so involved that it's the other person's that's the problem. They're the reason. They right. make me feel this way, or they cause this, or they that. And so somebody who can kind of say, well, look, let's explore what problem you've got in this. I remember one of the best counselors I ever knew, one of the things he told me, well, he was a pastoral counselor, but he just loved people, and that love seemed to open up a lot of things. And and he said this, he said that whenever someone comes to you, the only person you can deal with is them. Right. They're going to be talking to you about what the other problem is. My husband's doing, doing this. Yeah. 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 But the only one we can deal with is, is you. And the only thing you can do about this situation is what you can do. You can't control your husband. You can't control mm-hmm. your wife. You can't control the circumstances. But you can control your responses to that. And so you need to look at that and just see what's a biblical way to deal with this. So, you know, you can, even though you've been hurt. And that's the other thing is, so am I going to wait until I've got all of my hair, uh, wounds healed? Well, I'll be dead before that happens. Yeah, that's like me. You know? uh, if, if I waited till I had my anger, anger under control to write a book about anger, which I did. Yeah. <laughs> I would never, the book would never have been written because it's, it's still, it still there. It still comes up. Yeah. So there is an element of a person with experience is never at the mercy of a person with a theory. Right, like yeah. if you've lived through something, you definitely have somebody something to offer to somebody. But if you don't get your own healing, you run the risk of passing that bitterness. And what's that? The verse that says Hebrews, see to it that no root of bitterness springs up lest it defile you and all those around you. Many are defiled. Yeah. So it's not just that your own bitterness realize, well, I can keep it in. You're going to project that into whoever you're helping. Yeah. Uh, There's just no way around it. And that's why, I mean, that's one, I think one of your life messages is you always go back to, you've got to keep your heart pure through forgiveness. And that can be tricky because how do you know when you've truly forgiven someone? Yeah. Because it involves grief. And we've talked about this before. Grief is a spiral. It comes back around and no, ideally the spiral gets wider and wider where like the incidences of remembering, oh, that was so wrong yeah. that they did that, you know, go wider. You, you remind yourself, no, I chose to forgive. It's a decision. But how do you know when you're ready to help others and you're you're healed enough to help others? Well, there's always going to be somebody who's behind you and there are always going to be those that are ahead of you. And the problem is if you're trying to help someone who's maybe ahead of you and they, they maybe realize what a mess they are. Because I get, I think the other thing is the deeper you go into yourself, you don't realize that, oh, I'm get, I'm so mature. I mean, the moment you say you're mature, <laughs> yeah, you know, the next <laughs> stage beyond maturity is rottenness, you know? You so, know, one of our most listened to podcasts is one called How to Be Mature, which I thought is hilarious because we recorded it like six months ago. But I mean, it just every week gets multiple really? downloads. And I'm like, uh, interesting. People really want to know how to be mature. But yeah. we con- I think we concluded in that podcast that... When you're really mature, you don't realize it. Yeah. It's <laughs> yes. only little kids yeah. who say, look how big I am. Right. Look how tall I am. And it's only the immature who say, look how mature I am. So maybe that's the key to not passing hurt on is, is an element of humility. Recognizing I'm in this boat with you. Yeah. I mean, I may have just, I may have been dealing with it a little bit longer. The hurt of, you know, yeah. father abuse or uh, neglect or loss or whatever. 
Uh, I may be a little further along in the journey, which is, I mean, that's essentially what Alcoholics Anonymous is based upon. Yeah. The idea that uh, I'm a messed up alcoholic. I mean, they constantly say that I am an alcoholic, right? Mm-hmm. You know, even if they've been clean for 15 years. And, but, but, but that's what it's based on the idea that we're all together in the, I have the exact same vulnerability as you. Yeah. And I think that's what we go, it goes back to what we started with. There's the idea of walking with people through something. I, I think that's actually more biblical than really this, I'm coming from above. I'm you here know, to heal you. Yes, because Jesus said that. He said, you know, uh, they called, call no man teacher, call no man father, you know, and we get on the Catholics about that. Oh, they call him a father. Yeah, well, we have our own titles. <laughs> yeah, pastor. You know? I hate pastor, when people call me that. Pastor yeah, Joel. Pastor like, or apostle God. or, you know, you're you're the bishop so-and-so, you know. we have, So we have our own titles. We just don't use father. Um, and what Jesus, but if you read that in context, what he's in saying, he says, but, but among you, you're all just brothers. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very flat organizational structure. We're all just messed up, walking through this, doing the best we can, helping I mean, one another. Doesn't Jesus even call himself the first among many brethren? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think Jesus Paul called himself. I think Paul, Paul said, said that. Paul yeah, said that. Yeah, Jesus yeah. is the first. Yeah. First. It's the idea that Jesus came down, humbled himself. He could have stayed top down, booming the voice. Yeah. Heal thyself. Heal thyself. Yeah. <laughs> but instead he came down, he walked with us. And that's the element of humility that I think is so important. And that's where it can be so dangerous because in that role as a counselor or a pastor or a healer, it's particularly certain personality types. I mean, they talk about that as being a risk for the Enneagram type two personality is the healer. Um, They can very quickly take on a Messiah complex, which we've done a podcast on that as well that has Mm -hmm. had quite a few downloads, uh, that you, you don't realize that you've made yourself you've kind of taken on the weight of the world as I'm going to yeah. get. And it can be a really dangerous thing. It's, it's an, a disguised kind of sneaky arrogance uh, that you can fall for where you end up thinking you're going to be the one that's going to fix this person's problem. And that's why you start, I mean, I, I, that's, like I said, I've done that before. You start pulling the information, like, oh, I know what their problem is right away. Yeah. And you start pulling it out of them, pulling it out of them. The next thing you know, they're like drained and don't want to come back for any more meetings because they just can't take the pain of what was revealed. And that's where the danger is too. I've seen that a lot of times you're like, okay, now that pain, you know what? That's really your parents' fault. And all of a sudden you're uh, yeah. building up, you know, angst. And maybe it's because you haven't even gotten your over your own parent issues. Yeah. yeah. It's that's there's a verse, what's that? Uh Second Corinthians. Comfort. Yep. Blessed be yeah. the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves yeah. are comforted by God. What I think that reveals is unless you're seeking really to get your comfort from God, you're not going to be able to pass on that experience of God's grace to others. Yeah, and it basically says too that once you've been through something, you then have been given a gift that you can then share with others who are going through a similar thing. Yeah. That gift of comfort, you can now comfort others, but not with your own comfort, not just, oh, baby, you'll make it, but with the comfort that you've received. You know, let me just ex- ex- encourage you that I would, I'm, and again, it goes back to that. I'm in that same boat. Right. I'm in this thing with you. I'm walking through this with you, but I want you to know that God has is helping me through it, and he can help you through it. Because it's kind of an onion, like you were talking about that forgiveness, you know, and how do you know when you've been forgiven? How do you know when you've have forgiven? It's kind of an onion thing. You you, you peel away one layer, and you go, oh, wow, I forgave him over that. And then, boom, six weeks later, six hours, six minutes yeah. later, it comes back again. You realize something else that was affected in you because of that. Yeah, yeah and it's, it, again, it's that spiral of grief you were yeah. talking about. But it, 
it comes back again. And so it's, it's a constantly growing situation. And that's why I say when you feel like you've matured and you've all of a sudden achieved it, you really haven't even begun probably. That's also encouraging though, this verse, because it's saying, like you even mentioned that there's a pastor that had been really helpful to you and he wasn't necessarily a trained counselor, but out of his own depth of experience yeah. and his own dealing with his, like looking at the darker sides of yourself, you really have to have looked at the darker side of yourself. Uh, when you do that, um, there's this, your ability to comfort others if you're pulling from the grace God gave you right, yeah. rather than your own skills and like I learned in counseling school to walk them through A, B, and C. Yeah. Sometimes that's not what they need, the A, B, and C. Sometimes they just need, well, we all need the comfort of the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. But that's encouraging too because if you're in a position where you're saying, I don't know if I can help these people, I'm maybe, I've been so wounded myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an element of if you've gone to God for the comfort you have the capacity to pass that comfort on and show others, help point them, really just point them to God who will be the ultimate comforter in their struggle. Yeah, and there's tremendous power in just being with somebody, just putting your arm around them saying, hey, you know, I'm here with you, I'm here for you. If you fall down, you know, it talks about that in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what is that? Yeah, Pity the poor man. Ecclesiastes, yes, yeah. yeah. It's two are better than one. A three, yeah. a quarter of three strands is needily broken. Pretty, uh, pity, pity the, the poor pity man. Pity the poor fool. Yeah. <laughs> pity the poor fool who falls and has no one to pick Nobody him up. to help him up. And so, yeah, it's got, uh, it's it's that idea of walking together with other people and just loving them and not necessarily, the problem is we tend to think we have to have answers. Mm-hmm. People ask a question and you feel like, ah, oh, I got to have an answer for him, you know? Many times just being there. And it's like like in a funeral, what's the right thing to say when you go to a funeral? Probably nothing. Yeah. Just, just put your arm around them, cry with people, mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice. Which reminds me of something else they taught us on that first day of counseling school, which I thought was very viable. They said, no matter what you learn here in counseling over the next two years, always remember this. It's the relationship that heals. It's the mm-hmm. relationship you create with that other person uh, that is going to help them understand you're not alone and it's not necessarily that you brought them the seven steps to conquer this yeah. or that. It's the relationship they have that somebody said they know somebody's walking with them through this ugly part of their past or whatever it is that they don't want to deal with. And that is what really brings mm-hmm. the healing. Because sometimes when I'm wounded, you may tell me the right thing to do, but I'm so wounded, I can't even stand up. I need my bone healed before I can stand up. I got my knee joint sticking out of my leg. And you're saying, stand up. Here's all you have to do is here's the answer. Here's the answer. I just need somebody to kind of be here with me while I heal. And and I'll get stronger because I know you're there with me. Yeah. And then, I, again, I think it all comes back to, and it always comes back to this, is taking personal responsibility for your mess, yeah. <laughs> your issues. Once you've started to delve into the darker parts of what you maybe don't want to touch, it actually empowers you to be able to help others from a place of humility. But that's a lot of it, too, is if you, if you, if you haven't recognized, I yeah. have the potential to have, the, I mean, I am that person that I'm he- helping yeah. heal. I am that person, um, and that brings humility to the pick to the to the table where you're saying, "Let's walk this together." I'm not top down here to heal you, but also recognizing um, that if I'm not careful, I'm going to have the potential to pass on any hurt or anger that's within me. Which is why it's really important to get your own self together and make sure you're doing it humbly as you're helping others. Yeah, it, yeah. It's grace that'll heal, and God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave a review on your listening platform of your choice. For more from Joelle Malm, check out joellemalm.com. And more from Rick, check out rickmalm.com.